I'm Larissa, and I want to help you find the best strategy for communicating the magic and wonder of your jewelry brand so you can thrive by doing what you love and filling the world with beauty and creativity. Welcome to the Joy Joya Jewelry Marketing Podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Larissa Worstiak. Through this podcast, I aim to empower and inspire jewelry entrepreneurs and innovators so they can thrive by doing what they love. I'm passionate about digital marketing for jewelry brands, and I'm excited to share that passion with you. This is episode 112, and today I'm going to be sharing part two of a two-part interview with Jen Cullen-Williams, an award-winning public relations and brand communications strategist for the jewelry industry and luxury brands. Before you listen to this episode, if you haven't already, I highly recommend you go back and listen to episode 111 to hear the first part of this two-part conversation. But let me give you some background info about Jen anyway, because she's super impressive. So prior to launching her consulting business in 2019, Jen was the managing director for Luxury Brand Group from 2007 to 2019, where she continues to consult on projects for the agency's jewelry and luxury clients. Her experience in the jewelry industry is multifaceted, and she's had the opportunity to support a wide variety of brands, including both direct-to-consumer and B2B. When it comes to her PR expertise, Jen's secured press placements for her clients in leading consumer media outlets such as Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, Elle, Forbes, and others. In this second part of the two-part episode, we cover topics like e-commerce trends for 2021, the potential of Pinterest in jewelry marketing, setting realistic expectations for public relations, and how to go about optimizing your jewelry e-commerce site. I really hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I had fun chatting with Jen. But before we get to the focus of the episode, I, as always, would like to share some marketing-related news and insights from the past week that caught my attention. So as I just mentioned in this episode, Jen and I will be spending some time discussing Pinterest. I currently don't really work with Pinterest very often because my clients, it's just not our focus in social media marketing. Their particular customers aren't spending time there. So it was great to talk to Jen because she has a lot more hands-on experience with Pinterest than I do. She even recently wrote an an article in conjunction with Duval Osteen for National Jeweler all about Pinterest and how to use it properly. The thing that interests me most about Pinterest is that it's basically a search engine like Google, but for images. So in this article that she co-wrote, they note that Pinterest is especially useful for bridal jewelry brands, but could really be useful for any type of jewelry brand. Journalist Emily Vesseland recently wrote in an article for JCK about why jewelry product descriptions are so important, just as important as product photos. You may think that people don't really read anymore, but you'd be surprised. Especially with jewelry, many people want that extra layer of story and nuance that goes with a piece. They wanna know about the inspiration, the materials, the process of crafting it, etc. If you don't have any product descriptions at all, or maybe there's a line, or maybe it was just originally created for your wholesalers, then your jewelry is kind of just floating in a vacuum. So 
go read this article from JCK and then actually go listen to episode 94 of this podcast for tips about how you can start improving your descriptions. And lastly, just before I even started recording this, I saw an article from the Glossy about the jewelry brand Majori, which caters to self-purchasing female millennials and a really cool new marketing campaign that they're doing leading up to International Women's Day in March. So Majori actually has this women's empowerment fund and they're doing this special campaign for International Women's Day where they're actually selling a special limited edition sweatshirt that has the word golden embroidered on it. And this is going in conjunction with this larger campaign that's going to promote their efforts to raise funds. I think it's really cool. I think it's a great example of a brand that listens to their customers. So in the article, they talk about how Majori's customers have been like asking them to offer merch or apparel. So Majori is really using this sweatshirt as a way to test that out. And second, I think it's a really good example of a brand using a multi-pronged approach to marketing. So they are bringing their blog into this. On their style edit blog, they're going to be profiling women, um, high profile women who have agreed to be part of this campaign. They're going to be sharing it on email, on their social media, um, and they're also going to be selling the sweatshirt on their website, obviously, to raise awareness to this empowerment fund that they've created. I think it's really cool. So no matter what you think about Majori, I definitely believe this is a really great example of marketing and that people can definitely learn something from it. If you want to get the links to the articles I share in this segment of the podcast, you can sign up for, for my email newsletter by visiting joyjoya.com slash sign up and you'll get a digest with the links every time a new episode drops. Okay, let's get to the second part of my two-part interview with Jen Cullen-Williams. So let's talk a little bit. Uh, I feel like we touched upon some of these things in our conversation indirectly, but I really want to talk about the e-commerce trends, especially in the jewelry industry that you are expecting to see this year and even beyond. What are some of those? So jewelry, uh, so jewelry trends in e-commerce, I think one is the increased visual assets on the sites. Um, I think increased searchability within the site so that you can search by not just collection or style or prices under 200 or whatever, but also by ethically sourced, uh, made to order, you know, any other subcategories that you may have that you incorporate that into your, your experience. Um, I think the virtual appointments will increase and figuring out the best ways to manage and operate those um, for businesses is going to be important. I think events are going to still take a little bit of a backseat, at least through the summer, um, both trade events and, uh, you know, customer facing events. So they, if you do want to do an event, you're going to have to do it digitally. Digitally events are a little, they're not the same. So if you're going to do a digital event, you really need to think about the experience. And I think collaboration, um, if you're a hot, you know, a jewelry brand, then maybe partnering with a local, I don't know, florist where you can talk about, you know, how to make the uh, home homescape bouquet or how to optimize your workspace and jewelry that looks great on zoom. Like there's just things that you're going to have to get creative in this new marketing 
or this new world that we live in. Um, and I think you're going to have to figure out efficiency in your sales online. So making sure that you can package and get things out. I also think that brands should be really thinking about their packaging strategy. Like some brands, it was like slap together and then other ones were like these elaborate like presentations, but like so many like products. And I felt really guilty. I just don't have space to keep all the marketing assets. So I really like when a brand makes their packaging, even when it's online, very, you know, close to their core. Um, so those are things to be thinking about. And, you know, I think it's the big question is kind of like, when travel reopens and experiences and dining and the world sort of reopens, like, are people going to be buying jewelry at the same rate as they are right now when their people have a little bit, you know, the people that have income are spending on jewelry. Um, and I don't know, I don't have the answer for that. I wish, I wish I did. I wish I had a crystal ball, but, um, but I think companies should be thinking about what, in the, this quarter one and two is what is buying. And I think they should use, you know, certain holidays, Valentine's day, mother's day as test runs of what is might do well for the holidays. And then in the summer when they're doing their merchandising or, or development of product, be really thinking about that and start your marketing early. You need to build out a plan know that that plan might get burned to the ground because something will change, but start with a plan and then be fluid with it and be able to move and and adapt. But I think a lot of brands kind of had their like, Oh, this is how we do everything. And now it's, it's changed and you have to be able to incorporate things. Um, I don't even know. I forgot what the question was, but but yeah, I would say, and you know, invest in social, like social commerce, Pinterest just, uh, about a month ago released, uh, as like trends prediction. I don't know if you've seen it. It's Pinterest business and they outlined different trends that they foresee. So, uh, what they did. So if you click on those trends, then it will, it would tell you from like a business standpoint. So if you're a fashion or retail business, this is how you can infuse the trend on Pinterest into your marketing. Or if you're a finance company, this is how you infuse a trend. So like an example is minimalist weddings. So I was saying, you know, designers should be thinking about having off the rack dresses, quick shorter order times than typically the longer six month plus times like you should have product like you should have dresses ready to go weeks because people may cancel or push or whatever their weddings and then they said for you know finance you should be thinking about how do people budget for these weddings if they want to do a small one now and do a bigger one later you could be educating them on this new market of weddings. So look at Pinterest business also incorporate a lot of Pinterest in your strategy. Cause it's a huge searchable tool and referral, um, increase your, your Facebook and Instagram advertising, um, hire you to actually manage and execute that digital strategy. And I think, um, you know, look in, look into TikTok cause video is where it's at these days, um, video with images, you know, or with, um, uh, captions and, 
explaining, educating, find a voice and really hone in on it and be, be your real self um, and really show who your brand is. And I think those are the key things to be successful and then keep optimizing your site. And the quickest thing that someone can do is go on their site, pretend they're a customer, both mobile and on desktop, click every single link, make sure they all still work. Um, because sometimes Instagram changes it. So the feed isn't popping through or whatever. Click all of that stuff, make sure it's all working. Go on the back end. make sure all your meta tags are updated and clear. Check your description, your bio, update your photos on some of those pages. Sometimes they're like left in the dust and no one cares. And those are really easy tools that you can do that will make the experience better. So many great things. Wow. So long-winded. I told you I could talk to you all. I could just go on for six more hours. I'm like simultaneously trying to listen very carefully while also making mental notes about (laughs) comments I have. So a few things I wanted to mention, you said about the searchability, 100% agree to add a layer to that mobile searchability, like top priority, um, because Uh, I mean, yes, more people are shopping on mobile devices. That's like a proven statistic and that's only continuing to increase. But let's be honest, like looking at your phone and trying to like see what you're looking for and see products, it's, it's not easy all the time. So making things even easier to find on mobile rather than a desktop could potentially appeal to customers because nobody wants to be like, looking at their little screen and trying to find what they're looking for. So definitely that. And then uh, I see Instagram and Facebook as the, and especially Instagram for jewelry as like the top customer acquisition channel in social media. Pinterest for me is like a nice to have, but if you are like not doing well at Instagram, like we need to get that working first. I'm curious to know your thoughts about that. If you're going to do a hierarchy of social platforms to be investing time in, in the jewelry e-commerce space, I would definitely say you're hundred percent Instagram and Facebook first, but I think Pinterest is where an indie brand will get discovered. I think it's a huge opportunity and Pinterest does a really great job. Just go to Pinterest business, uh, look at, they, they literally tell you, like they give you the guide by the play by play. They have a lot of free resources on how you can strategically use Pinterest as a business. If you have pins that last longer, it's just a different platform. And when I ask clients, I'll say, you know, what's like one of your number one referral. And they're like, always Pinterest. It's always one And retailers will specifically say it's very helpful, you know, when customers come in the store, they'll often have, the guy will have a snapshot from Pinterest that either was sent or, you know, or he found, you know, by looking at her boards or, or whatnot, or she found looking at his, whatever the, the thing is, but, um, it's, I think it's a, it's a missed opportunity. And for jewelry, which is so visually stunning, you can kill it on Pinterest and you can really tie to what's trending on Pinterest, um, and be discovered. And it really is a referral tool. I think if you're also looking for other referral tools, if you're e-commerce, you should really be thinking about affiliate marketing. There's different affiliate 
platforms that will help get you exposure with the right people. So I think you should be thinking about that too. But if you had, if you had to start completely like a a main focus, yes, Instagram for sure. And then, but don't, don't neglect Pinterest. And I don't think it's as hard as, you know, it's not, I mean, if there's engagement, but it really, it's like, once you've posted your pins and Instagram, like they kind of explain like what works, like how often you should be pinning and everything. And they have like a lot of um, webinars for free that you can watch with experts to, to talk about it. Yeah. All great points. I'm kind of wondering to you if it, if um, the Pinterest um, factor varies by like jewelry category, because I have worked with like bridal specialty bridal and that works for them really well because a lot of people go on Pinterest to like search and pin their dream engagement ring. Um, so I wonder if like category to category, if it varies, what are your thoughts about that? I think it would. I mean, definitely bridal is a strong category on Pinterest because wedding planning and, and, you know, the bands and things like that. And like, um, like the men's or masculine bands are really popular on Pinterest, but I do think like fashion and styling is still huge on Pinterest, especially because it hits a slightly lower demographic. Um, I, I think, I mean, I know, especially when people are thinking maybe they want to redesign their something like they have a diamond, but they want to get some inspiration of designs. And so they find designers, like especially artisanal designers. So, and I mean, there's, it's a direct link to buy to a website. So there's not that, I mean, there's shopping functions within Pinterest, but I think it's a really great, it's a, it's kind of a weird search, to be honest. Like if you're like looking for something, it's not, doesn't always come up. The brand doesn't always come up, but I've found some really cool stuff. I mean, whenever I'm doing any like house projects and kind of trying to get inspiration of what to do, I've, I've bought off of the products I've seen from my house searches. So I think it's something that people should consider. It's not going anywhere in 2021. Um, so I think that's something people should consider in their, their strategy. If you could give tips or guidance or best practices about the types of imagery or video that work really well on Pinterest for jewelry brands, do you have suggestions? Yes. And again, Pinterest also has suggestions on, on this too. I think it's a combo. You should pin things directly from your site and there's ways where you can own your Instagram feed and own your website feed. And you can set that up when you set up your business Pinterest. Um, I think, so the product standard, you know, product shots, hero shots, but then lifestyle images are great. So people moving, wearing, um, I, I didn't even touch on this, but I think it's so important user generated content. So your customers send you a photo or they tag you in a photo, getting their permission and being able to repurpose those is huge. I love it when I'm shopping on a site and I, see real people wearing it. It's one of the things that makes me love like rent the runway because they were one of the first ones to really capitalize on that. Now target does it and, um, Nordstrom and other ones. So I think it's like really important to kind of see how it's worn by the real people. Um, and I think using that content on Pinterest is another great way. Also doing videos like TikTok, but not as like kitschy song oriented, but a little bit more like educational tutorial style is really good. And again, look at those trends that they were suggesting. There was one trend that was called like, instead of rainbow, it was called um, rain brow. And it was all about how we're on 
all these things. And like the brow is really important. The eyes are really important. And so their prediction is that this year we're going to see a lot of like colored eyebrows and glitter in your eyebrows and like really bold eyebrows. So how does that, like, what does that mean to market to that? Well, for a fashion brand is considering your lifestyle imagery that you use some of that fashion trend, like these beauty trends, you incorporate that into your, um, your product lifestyle imagery. So yeah, you can do your standard, you know, lady like this, but you could also do something cool and funky. If you're a funky colored gemstone line with some, you know, model that has glitter rainbow eyebrows and this, and you know, that, that image is going to pop. It's also going to be something that if your younger kid is, you know, if you're, if you're a mom and your kids come scrolling on your Instagram, which my daughter does sadly do that. I, I can see what she is gravitating to and it's bright images, you know? So I think considering that into the factor, so video tutorials and product images and things where they'll benefit from. Such good tips. I feel though, like there may have been a missed opportunity. We should have coordinated our colored eyebrows though, for this call. I know. <laughs> what, color, what color would you have done? Purple. Okay. <laughs> How about you? I think I would do rainbow. I'm like, nice. really, I'm really digging rainbow. My daughter's really into it. And so I'm like really digging rainbows right now. <laughs> I was funny enough. One of my searches recently was rainbowed gowns because I'm thinking about the galas that, you know, the industry events and things. So I'm like, I, my next one, I want to wear a rainbow dress, like in some capacity, like I want bright colors, but I'm not finding a lot. Like a lot of them are really cheesy. So like they're, they're meant for little kids, but, um, but yeah, so I think rainbow eyebrows next time we'll have to do, we'll have to do definitely rainbow eyebrows. Um, so I'm totally losing my train of thought. Oh yes. The, so the year of 2021, in my opinion, and I think it's kind of an industry across the board in the industry. I think that it's going to be the year of the customer experience, like 2020 just blew so much out of the water. I don't even have to like explain any of that, but people, customers' expectations, the way they shop, what they expect from brands, like everything really changed. Um, so how can jewelry brands really optimize that customer experience and meet customers where they are at this point? I think it's listen is where you start. Um, ask for feedback engage with your top customers, um, even inviting your top customers to an event. That's not a selling event, but it's more of a, where are you at event? Um, and maybe gifting them product or giving them a special discount or something like that. Um, hear, hear them out where, what are they doing? What are they expecting? What are, what's working? Like, because at the end of the day, a, a jewelry customer has to buy other products in their life. They're not just buying jewelry. So what else are they buying? Is it wine? Is it, um, you know, is it beauty products? Is it skincare, hair care? What are they interested in? What are those other companies doing well? And how can you infuse that into your strategy? And I think that's the key is like not living completely in your bubble, but really looking at the bigger bubble and on a macro level, what's working, what's not working. What, what do you as a shopper 
expect from your, like when you make a purchase, uh, that is going to be, is going to be key. And then also infusing really fast turnaround times and shipping, you know, so maybe it's locally, you can get things turned around really quickly. Um, and you know, nationally, you're just really spending time on finding the right shipping partners to, to make these things happen for your customers. Yeah, really great points. I think the first thing you said about um, looking outside of the jewelry space and seeing what are the other brands your customers are shopping. I am constantly reminding my clients of this and knowing your customers, again, let's jam that into everyone's head, knowing your customers and not only what they want out of your jewelry, but what other brands do they like? they don't even have to be fashion brands. It could be like, maybe they like to go to Williams Sonoma and buy like fancy kitchen stuff or whatever it is, but like really being familiar with the brands your customer gravitates toward and seeing, like you said, how those brands are handling the customer experience, the e-commerce experience, because those things are what your customer is going to be used to. That's the standard that they're going to be looking for in every brand that they shop. So if you can kind of meet them there, then, then you'll be doing a great job. So hundred percent agree there. And, and I then, think, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I'm just thinking of styling. If you know what brands that they're shopping, cause I even was describing to you a client and I said, her customer base is not the people that are wearing Chanel and high couture. Her customer base is wearing a higher end products, but more of, um, you know, what is it? Ulu Johnson or, and, um, I don't know, free people, you know, yeah. that's, they're a little bit more boho and in their style. And so that's who her customers. So they're still spending $500 or more on a dress, but they're not, they're not, not buying Chanel. They don't need that. That's not their vibe. And, and then there's customers where Cartier, they, they're going to for sure have a Cartier love bracelet. It's an iconic bracelet. It's a status symbol, but maybe you have products that would style or stack well with that. So why don't you show them how they can stack and style with what they're already going to be buying? Absolutely. Um, and then another thing you mentioned was like, think about how you like to shop Yes. Like a lot of the advice I give my clients about e-commerce is actually based on my own experiences as a customer, because I mean, yes, it's my job to be highly in tune with this, but like, I kind of notice the things that annoy me or that I like, and then that informs like how I assist my customers to be better in their e-commerce channels. So when you're a jewelry brand, like, of course there are best practices, but there's no like magical, like formula. It's just like, what do you like? You know, your customers want to be treated probably the same way that that you would want to be treated. So like put yourself in their shoes and think about what would satisfy you in an e-commerce experience. Yes. And I think it's important. It's something I do is carve out like an hour on your schedule to, you know, maybe it's once a week or every other week or once a month where you actually kind of take a deep dive on retail trends that are happening inside and outside the market. So where you can start is the National Retail Federation. They've got amazing content. You can sign up for their newsletter. I think um, clearly read the jewelry trades, JCK, you know, National Jeweler in store, and there's uh, other ones. Um, those are good. 
good business of fashion, WWD, and actually JCK is going to have a subscription called JCK pro coming out soon. And these three subscriptions, I, if you are a retail and you're in business and you're in jewelry, the jewelry business, WWD business fashion and JCK pro are the three subscriptions you should get. You know, it's a little bit of an investment to write off, I guess, at the end of the year, but it's going to give you access to studies, data, information, and, um, things that you actually need for your business to drive it forward and, you know, sign up for your newsletter and, um, and really just kind of do, do take time to research and see what else is out there. And I actually sometimes just Google like retail trends, 2020, like social media trends, 2020 or 2021. And I just see kind of what comes up and I look to make sure it's coming from a credible source. And then I just read it and I just get an idea. Sometimes I just save those articles and, and then refresh on them. And, and I think it's really helpful. Yeah. The information's definitely out there. And I would say also just become like a curious, interested observer also. Like if you, if you aren't already that kind of person, try to really hone in on that skill. So kind of, sometimes I notice that especially independent jewelry brands, not everyone, but some of them like turn up their noses a little bit at the more like established, like corporate players. Mm-hmm. And like, I get that. Like you're, you probably approach your business in a much different way than they do. But as like a study, it's great to look at some of those brands. Like Kendra Scott, for example, is so they're innovating like crazy in their e-commerce channel. And like, I know, you know, I have some clients that wouldn't say the greatest things about that brand, but like, you know, get over it first of all, and look at their e-commerce site because they are obviously doing something that's working, you know, look at the huge players, Tiffany, if you, if you want to know like what makes an optimized e-commerce site, what makes a great navigation and user experience, go to tiffany.com because they spend hundreds of thousands. Like, I don't even know how much, but probably a lot of money into making sure their e-commerce channel is optimized. So if they're doing that, you know, probably it's something right, something to pay attention to. Um, even like Signet jewelers and all of their brand properties, like they've had to pivot so much. They're one of the biggest like jewelry corporations in the world. COVID made them was total disruption. They've had to innovate you know, again, a lot of people kind of turn their nose up at a brand, at a company like that, but like they have the money to do the research, to try these new things. So if they're implementing stuff, like take note of it, pay attention to it because it's probably a sign that it's something that their customers are looking for. Exactly. You have to look and also the other industries, the parallel industries. Yep. Like- oh, yes. It's you just, and, and it's not, and the one thing I always just reality check is, you know, if a client comes to me and they say, I want to be in Vogue, or I want to be like Kendra Scott, or I want to be this or that I want to be on the today show. I'm like, okay, first of all, you just started your line, you know, six months ago, you just got your website up and going, like, you've got to be a little realistic. Like, you know, Kendra Scott's been at it for 20 plus years. She's like financially backed, very sound company teams working on all of these things, bigger budgets. But what you can do, like you said, conceptually is look at certain pieces of the pie of what they're doing and see what you can feasibly implement into your strategy in your own way to 
optimize that experience. So maybe it's just having an extra category that, you know, to gifting for mother mother's day or how to stack or, you know, there's lots of inspiration you can take from other brands and they're all doing it from each other anyways. Um, <laughs> and I think it's funny when companies say, when I ask like, so who's competitive, like who, where are your customers shopping? They're like, no, I'm the only one. I'm like, mm, no. And also be mindful of the word unique in your like usage of it. Cause I, I see a lot of brands that say like, we're the only, and we're unique. And I, I think that's a, not always a true value proposition that will engage a customer. Um, you know, when people ask me like what I do and why, why me, there's other people that do what I do a hundred percent, but why me? It's my energy. It's my connections, my creativity, and the way I can help make collaborations happen. And, um, it's ultimately that I understand communications and specifically in the jewelry market. And that's my, my core. I kind of, I call them like my, my four C's. I I threw an extra one in there, but, (laughs) um, but it's, I mean, it's true. Those are my core things and you can hire someone else and they could probably do a fine job. But if you really are looking for someone who's going to be creative and energetic and passionate about your brand and also understands the industry and has deep rooted connections, then I might be your person. So it's, you just got to figure out your brand ethos and how you want to explain it to your customer. And yeah. Oh my goodness. We could have, we could have like a whole other conversation about that. Like I I could go (laughs) language, like brand DNA, all of that is like a whole thing. Um, the thing that I encounter a lot in consultations that I have with people is, uh, they want to be like the next majority, which is endlessly frustrating to me. And so unrealistic because majority is, has money behind it. They've gotten like $3 million in funding, you know, like their marketing doesn't come from nowhere. There's, there's tons of money behind it. They're basically like throwing money at their influencer strategy. So it's like, good luck with that. Like, do you have venture capital funding? Yep. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the reality too, that we're, you know, brand like a small independent, it's like, I want to be in New York times. I'm like, it's, you know, if the, the joke for like a lot of publicists is if they ask you to be involved with Oprah, New York times, or the today show, you may want to like assess their brand because if they think that's where they should be and they haven't really looked laterally like where their product fits in the, the mix it, it will be hard to please them as a client whereas it might make a lot more sense for them to get local news press coverage where it drives traffic into their store or whatever it is so you know you just have to be strategic and again know your customer and where you fit into the market and you know you can do a great business and you don't have to be the next Tiffany and company. Like you can be, you can be a small business and do really great business as a one run, you know, person or small team and, and be, you know, the, the pressures of the founders of Majori, I've listened to them on podcasts. It's not easier. They're not like rolling in money and like, you know, they're working day in and day out to grow and stay relevant to their customer. And, you know, that takes a lot of hard work and grit and, um, to scale to that level is 
a whole other beast. Um, they're constantly searching out for finance and they get away from the actual craft of making the jewelry. So if you're an independent designer that works with your customer and you create beautiful things that are meaningful, that they keep in their life and they pass down to their children and all of those things. And you're, you're literally part of their life in some capacity, like that's really special. And you don't have to be some big tech giant jewelry company to, um, be involved in people's special moments. So, you know, do it at your own, at your own level. I love that. I think that's a great place to kind of start to wrap up our conversation. I just think it's so encouraging. And I agree that there, I truly believe like in my heart that there is space for everyone in this industry, no matter how like crowded it is. But the only way you can carve that space is if you own what makes you different. I don't, I'm like trying to avoid to, I'm trying to avoid the word unique, but <laughs> like really what is the DNA? What are you offering to your customer who, you know, very intimately and like just owning that and not being afraid to like claim that as your own, like stake that you're putting in the ground, you know, <laughs> exactly. Like what makes you special? There's a, a business coach. She's, she's kind of big. She's like a a more modern version of like Tony Robbins. Her name's, um, oh gosh, it's escaping me. Uh, Marie Forleo. Yes. I've heard of her. Mm -hmm. She's great. She has a book called everything is figure outable. It's, it's actually a fantastic book. It's, and it's really motivating, but her thing is that there's no one, there's no other you there isn't. So own the you and show that you're, you're how special you are. And there's someone else that needs your specialness. So I kind of always keep that in the back of my mind um, when I'm thinking about that too, because it can be intimidating. I know other companies when I, you see and you compare and that can be hard and it's good to look outside, um, but also know what you have inside and what you're, what you can give from there. Definitely. So tell us like, what do you have on the horizon? Where can people find you? Anything else you're excited to share with my audience? Oh man. So I work, I'm working with, um, a great B2B platform. So if you're a designer or retailer listening and you're looking for sourcing, especially in the antiques and estate, um, or even just loose gemstones, um, but kind of at the higher end level, it's called jeweler circle. So check that out, jewelercircle.com, um, helping them with their kind of launch strategy and getting them on the market. It makes complete sense to have a B2B marketplace where you can find and source products, um, not to the consumer, but internally. Um, I'm working with JCK, the, um, trade show and, um, some announcements and everything about the upcoming 2021 events. And, um, I'm doing some other fun things working with, um, a trade show in the fashion apparel space. And I actually do some, of um, like videos for them. This was a pit, like a, a pivot for me. And, um, I mean, ultimately you can check out my Instagram, which is at Gen C Williams. I know. Okay. I'm in business and I don't really have a business. It's very much just my personal Instagram and it's mostly my daughter. Um, I did start an Instagram for her called at Kira K I R a dress up. And really just because she's, my daughter is kind of like, really creative and it actually fuels a lot of my creative energy. She wants to dress up all the time and act things out. So I've been capturing it. Um, and so that's kind of like a really side fun thing that I'm doing. And, uh, 
Yeah, I think this year is going to be an interesting year. I'm looking forward to seeing and hugging, I guess maybe like social distancing hugging, but I'm just looking forward to spending time and meeting people in person at probably towards the tail end of this year. So, and dressing up and wearing like shoes. Seriously. (laughs) Agreed. And I can attest to Jen's daughter's cuteness because I saw her on a WJA holiday party Zoom and she just like charmed everyone in that Zoom room. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of of interesting because I think this digital world's like they're absorbing it. So, you know, they're kind of this and this is probably going to be the world that they're working in. So in some capacity, it'd probably be like 3D or something. But um, for virtual reality, they'll be wearing glasses and like all in the same conference table. Oh boy. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that's, you know, the way of the world. So, but I just want to thank you so much for having me on here. I'm glad we could connect and I look forward to uh, new opportunities to, to work together. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Jen. It was so great to have you. It was such a pleasure to be able to speak to Jen again. Well, it was the same conversation, but in a second part and learn more about her insights into e-commerce and the jewelry industry at large. If you'd like to learn more about Jen and her services, visit jencullenwilliams.com. As always, you can always email me, Larissa, that's L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com with your questions, comments, or feedback. And my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy, is for sale. It's ready to ship. If you want to learn more about it and get a copy for yourself, visit joyjoya.com book. Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information about marketing services for your jewelry brand, visit joyjoya.com where you can download our free ebook, Proven Conversion Strategies for E-Commerce Jewelry Retailers.